0: Summer camp. Yeah, well, it's fine. Have I been saying summer school? Shoot. You've been going back and forth between it. It's fine. (laughs) Well, I mean summer camp. Welcome, welcome. Hi, Esther. Hi, Holly. How excited are we? This is going to be a tonally different, and I said tonally with an N, different episode because- The first is, again, us starting with a Celtic cross for a beloved wildling, our friend Anna. And then we're talking about Deviant Moon, <laughs> woo. which is basically the opposite of the hopefully loving, <laughs> loving reading gentle we're gonna reading we're going to give for Anna.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I know.
0: Like, woo, Betty. So as per usual, for summer camp, we're talking about decks that are in our book that we have not yet talked about on the podcast. And the reason we haven't yet talked about Deviant Moon on the podcast is that I have a pretty strong visceral reaction about this deck. You do, yeah. My my body hurts when I look at it. Yeah.
1: I I go back and forth sometimes, but for the most part, like, it's very... I pick and choose which cards I like and engage. Yeah, with.
0: I mean, when I look at it objectively, there are some cards that I like, but when I look at it holistically, holistically, my whole it's body like, huh. is like <laughs> just a big clench, just a yeah. big clench noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, totally. so today our spread is for our friend Anna, and we're just gonna do a general spread for her because she's had a lot of changes happen in her life in the last yes. couple of weeks. Uh, new job. New, lots of moving, like lots of homes. moving yeah. homes, horses, all sorts of stuff. Lots She's of transition. Horse, our, our horse girl Anna. Yeah. Um. So we're just gonna do a general reading for her, mm-hmm. and I am using Antique Anatomy, the Spanish edition, as per usual and I am using Crystal Unicorn Tarot
1: because she's a horse girl, so we got to put some horses in it.
0: And also, when we first got the Crystal Unicorn, we were like, "Anna, you need to get this deck." This was what, like, three years ago. Yeah, and this she is early. Was on. Like, okay, and she okay. got it. Yeah, and it's just perfect. She likes it, and it's perfect for her because she's totally wonderful. She is amazing. All right, so we are. Even though last time we did this, we did a Spread Machine spread. We're just gonna go dig back into the Teresa Reed. Celtic Cross, um, yes. which we really like. It's from the Tarot No Questions Asked book that came out last year. Last year? Yes. Yeah, last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. From Teresa Reed. It's a fantastic book, and we really like her variation on the Celtic Cross. So we're totally. going to do that once more. And that means starting with the present for dear Anna. Okay. And we're gonna be just pulling one card per person or per uh position because Celtic Cross has rules. <laughs> And it just it just helps. Okay, so yeah. a present.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, I got the Ace of Pentacles, and I got the Seven
0: of Wands. Ace, Ace of Pentacles, Seven of Wands. Of Pence, Seven of Wands. So when we've done the Celtic crosses before, we've gone through all of them and then gone back to read yes. it. Do you want to do it that way again? I liked it that way. And okay. If I leave in the gaps, wildlings. It's okay. Just like
1: do a 15 second skip forward. It'll be fine.
0: (laughs) All right. So what crosses you is position two. Okay. Okay. And then are we going to tell each other or just. Uh, We
1: can tell each other. Eight of. I got the eight of cups.
0: Okay. And I got the two of cups. Okay. All right. Foundation. So foundation is position three and that represents the. Past conditions that have led you to the present. It's where you're coming from. Okay. What did you get? The Hierophant.
1: I got the Knight of Wands. Knight of
0: Wands. Okay, recent past...
1: Recent past. So these are
0: things that are lingering and still kind of in the background. Unfinished stuff, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got the nine of swords. I got the knight of pentacles. Wow. Lots of knights. Which is great for a horse girl. It's true. <laughs> lots of nights lots of horses. Okay, horizon. I the funny thing is that I don't think we've ever called her a horse girl to her face. No, I don't or think. Or so. about her to other no, people, except other people, for in this episode of the that. podcast.
1: <laughs> I know. Sorry, Anna.
0: We <laughs> love Yeah, you. exactly. We love her- you a lot. This is not related <laughs> to how we feel about you. Horse no. girl is not a negative thing. No. Uh okay, so Horizon. What's horizon? Horizon, situations on the horizon or what may become what may come into being. Okay. The possibilities. Some people say this is what crowns you. It may reflect where you want to go. It's kind of like a almost short term goal, like right that you can see, sort of. Okay. I got the nine of cups. And I got the fool.
1: I also appreciate how technologically advanced we are by writing with our Apple pencils on our heads.
0: (laughs) Mine is off brand. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Near future. Near future. And meanwhile, I'm surrounded by half filled in books. (laughs) Well, also my, uh, my
1: little miniature breakfast desk is not conducive for full size tarot cards. So I need to get this deck and
0: tile form apparently. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's available. I got the two of wands.
1: Sometimes I even get tired of drawing seven cards. Uh, Queen of <laughs> Pentacles. <laughs> You're like, where are we still
0: doing this? Queen of Pentacles.
1: No, it's more of my shuffling method. I'm having to do seven times ten. I'm having to shuffle 70.
0: <laughs> I know, that's true. <laughs> 70 times. That's okay, uh, querent at the moment. So right now, Anna is. Ooh, cool. I got the king of wands. Okay, just a moment.
1: Ace of Wands. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Way to go,
0: us. So much power. Also, a lot of power for old Anna over here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, environment and influences. Ooh. Okay, environment influences. Four of Cups. Four. I got the Three of Cups.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Hopes and Fears. Oh. What did he get? Knight. uh, Nope. Nope. i let. King of Wands. (laughs) Ow. I got the Wheel of Fortune. King of Wands. Okay. And outcome.
1: Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's
0: okay. I like that as an outcome. Oh, geez. Please. Max, stop whining. We're all up here. (laughs) She's just like... (gasps) Four, five, six, seven. She hates being
1: mocked. Outcomes
0: for me is the eight of pentacles. Cool. And I got the three of pentacles.
1: We have some nice
0: synchronicity in
1: the suits here.
0: Yeah, no kidding. All right. So back to the beginning Okay. Um, Let's start at the very
1: beginning. <laughs> very good place to start. It okay. certainly
0: is. <laughs> so what vibe are you getting from this holistically? Does this seem work related? This seems work related to, to me. Yeah, it seems really work related to me. Yeah. Cool. So that's a good place to start then. So with the present Ace of Pentacles and Seven of Wands, that feels very like this is a new thing for you. Yeah. And that has some chaos associated with it. Yeah. And, like, with the Seven of Wands, we've talked about this before. It's just, like, kind of, like, self-preservation-related conflict, yes. almost. Like, you're setting boundaries and, like, yes. kind of standing your ground. And so I like that paired with the Ace of Pentacles in the context of a new job. Because what it's really saying is, you know, this new job is super exciting. And mm-hmm. you should also still be setting boundaries. Right. Like, don't let the new people in the new job make you feel like you have to jump into things without setting your boundaries first yeah
1: it's for me it's like this message of you're getting your footing like that's like this you're you're grounding yourself in what you need to establish now so in the later those boundaries won't be crossed yeah and And
0: especially i think paired with what crosses you being the two of cups and the eight of cups it's like you just came from kind of like a not heartbreaking, but a a difficult moment where you were leaving people that you felt so paired with. Yes. And you were making the decision to leave. And so there is sort of this like idea that what's blocking you in some way or what you're bumping up against as you're moving Mm -hmm. into this new role is like the idea of family at the workplace. And like, is that something you want to maintain or continue? Or do you need to be that eight of wands and be like, no, 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 no. I'm cool with hanging out. I'm excited about this, but I'm not letting my guard down in the same way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So the foundation, which again is sort of the past conditions that have led to this present. We got the Hierophant and the Knight of Wands. And I think sort of like if we're
1: kind of establishing that this is like a setting boundary sort of thing, this is like establishing like, like everyone's on the same page going forward sort of Mm -hmm. discussions. To me, you came from a place where there were strict regulations and people who expected more from you than – and you compromised on that. Yeah. So, you know, and that knight of wands to me is like they kind of like bullheaded over you, rushed over you, and what your feelings were. So that's what your past is you're dealing with that's kind of influencing things now.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh. Also, I – oh, wait, no. We got the seven of wands. I had a moment of like, shit, did I –
1: no, See yeah, you were fine. Lawns? No, you
0: didn't. You were fine. Oh, my God. I always get panicky about that. <laughs> uh, OK, so recent past, Nine of Swords and Knight of Pentacles. I mean, nothing could be more clear when you're leaving a job that's exhausting uh-huh. you than getting the motherfucking Knight of Pentacles and the Nine of Swords. I know. Swords. It's I know. Like, Your recent past is that everything felt like it was literally killing you. Yes. And now it doesn't have to anymore. Right. (laughs) Well, and like, for me, the
1: Knight of Pentacles, they are the one that's bearing a burden. Like, that pentacle can be heavy if it's toxic. Yeah. Like, that's what, like, your recent past coming from that is what kind of defines that sort of, like, movement forward. Right. like... Stuff like that. And yeah. then having
0: the horizon be the motherfucking nine of cups and the uh-huh. full. It's like the thing you see is yourself doing something totally new, but that's so much more fulfilling.
1: Yes, totally. It's, but and yeah, it's, it, it- And you get like a fresh start at something that you're good at as well. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I love the nine of cups in that spot because there is like that little twinge of smugness. It's not just like, like, Ooh, you know, I I'm so happy. It's like, look at what I've accomplished. Yeah. There's appreciation for my gifts in this. Yeah. And I think that that's really interesting paired with the fool, especially because the fool is so new, but so there's Mm -hmm. this, this like juxtaposition of the newness, but also the established Yes. Sort of like abilities. And so it's, again, saying the horizon is you being able to kind of like be kind of this rock star newcomer in some way. Yeah. The near future, Two of Wands and Queen of Pentacles. I know that Anna uses the Queen of Pentacles as her identifier. Yeah. Uh, And so paired with the Two of Wands, I think that like it's just reminding you to kind of keep an eye on sort of the big picture. Yeah. Um. And create sort of structure and plan and almost like dreaminess about mm-hmm. that, um, especially paired with the Queen of Pentacles specifically. It's like put yourself in that role where you're looking at the larger picture rather than sort of day to day stuff, because especially with the fool kind of being, you know, Saying like you're super new to this, it's kind of like don't focus on the day to day stuff. Focus on the big stuff and like let yourself embody your capabilities. Yeah, you at the moment, Anna, uh, King of Wands and the Ace of Wands again. In your element,
1: doing your
0: shit. It's It's great. It's new things to do, but it's stuff that you know you know how to do. Yeah, like this confidence, this ability to lead. All of this action, but it's all new. It all feels so good. But it also is stuff that you absolutely know how to do. Mm -hmm. And then your influences are the three of cups and the four of cups. And I think that that probably may harken back a little bit to your blockage or what crosses you being the two of cups where it's like there was the there were those like familial relationships with people at work before So your environment right now has a tiny bit of a sense of loss because of that four of cups, because you're sort of missing out on like the party atmosphere that you had in your past job. The problem with that party atmosphere, and I know I don't think that Anna will mind us sharing this, going from an education setting to a um, civic setting, Mm because it's like civil, like civic government, basically. Is really different because in yeah. the education setting, like we've talked about a million times on the podcast before, they trick you into breaking through all of your boundaries because you believe in the mission. Yes. And so they they trick you by being like, oh, we get to tailgate together and let's all go to the game and let's all mm-hmm. go get drinks. And they can really bust through those those boundaries. And so there's part of you that's going to be sad that that's not part of your life anymore Yeah, because that's not how your current job may feel. There's going to be that sense of like, Oh man, remember all that fun stuff that we used to do. Yeah. But at the same time, there are way more positives than negatives.
1: Yeah. I see the four of cups here as analysis paralysis, where you're kind of overwhelmed yeah. with everything that's kind of going on that you just kind of freeze at the cup that's in front of you. You're just like, yeah, that's very true. Overstimulation. Too. You know, that's kind yeah. of, there's so much newness, there's so much excitement, there's so many new people.
0: I um, like your if, interpretation better than mine. I'm well, taking it. <laughs> no,
1: I, I I think both can be valid because there are so many changes going from one environment that was family oriented to a different environment that you're having to do new social interactions. It. Yeah, totally. It's
0: really, especially after a pa- fucking pandemic. I know, seriously, back in person with all new people. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. So I I so there may so I think there's both at play, and yeah, that they're both
0: valid. I like it. Uh, hopes and fears the wheel of fortune and king of wands yeah so you've already gotten the king of wands once um, yeah in the you at the moment where you're kind of like this established understand you understand what you're supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. so having your fear be related to that is kind of that at some point the wheel will continue turning and you suddenly won't know what's going on anymore right yeah totally (laughs) yep you
1: fi- you feels- got to figure it figured out, and then all of a sudden the wheel turns, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like, going wait on? a second, yeah. <laughs> I was over there, I got oh. it over there. What the hell's
0: going on? Yeah, uh, and then the outcome being the three of pentacles and the eight of pentacles. I also really like that. Feels yeah. super good for kind of a new job.
1: It's like for me, it's like a thriving in your job. You're gonna have good relationships with your coworkers because to me, these relationships, the two, of, the two of cups, three of cups, come up. So to me it's like they're they're gonna be your coworkers. You don't have yeah. to expect to maintain deep relationships to right. make everybody happy. You're
0: gonna get stuff done with them, both as a team and on your own, and you're in a really good spot. And just keep yeah. remembering that you are the king of wands. So you, you don't need to worry about like losing that understanding and knowledge. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're gonna get that money. Yeah,
0: seriously. <laughs> and yeah, it's just gonna be great. I yeah. love this reading. What this a is this good? Reading. Nice. I think, Yay. have we gotten used to this Celtic cross thingy, Holly? I think that we're used to Celtic cross. I think it's really helpful to pull everything and then read it. Yes. I think that that helps a lot.
1: I think us thematically also naming and claiming the theme before we go through right. the cards is, also, is helpful. also helpful.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that that is majorly helpful. Because otherwise you just look at these 10 cards and you're like, what? hello Why yeah. are you here? Exactly. And it's easier to get sucked into like the card that you feel like you most... Have like the initial reaction to and then let right. that frame it too much almost. Right. Unless you look at it holistically and decide what the topic is.
1: Yeah. And I also like two cards in each position too. I think that
0: helps clarify lots of things. Shocking that we would prefer that. <laughs> Who knew? I know. Who would have guessed after three years of podcasting <laughs> that we like to have more cards than we think we do, than we yeah. think we need? Yeah. Well, <laughs> at
1: one point, I think I'm going to say now that every time like I'm pulling multiple cards and then when the four of, swords comes up I'm just gonna be like okay you want me to stop pulling
0: cards (laughs) (laughs) the time has
1: come it happened twice today and I'm like really message yeah yeah." it was (laughs) like I pull like three cards and then the fourth card would be like four of wands I was like oh okay I'll stop
0: (laughs) I guess the time has come yeah
1: I need to stop pulling cards
0: that's hilarious. Um, all right, so it's time to talk about Deviant Moon, and I am literally using a fan that one of my students brought me from studying abroad in Korea hey. to fan my face right now because it's fucking hot as balls. It is so hot, but I turn on my aircon. Does con. this look Korean to you? Yes, it is absolutely like the little, especially tassel the tassel. The <laughs> yeah, it has
1: those special <laughs> knots on it. <laughs> Looks pretty. Yeah. I'll, send you, I'll, send you <laughs> I'll send you fans. I was given one last week or something um, at my adult class. And I was like, oh, thank you. I have, like, four now. I okay. was thinking
0: about bringing this to my brother's wedding just because just it's going it. to be largely outside. And yeah. I feel like, who cares if people think that you look like a nerd for fanning yourself? No, I don't. You know I mean?
1: Yeah, it's nice. It's going to be hot. I mean, <laughs> just pretend you're, like, a, like a debutante or something. Like, just hide behind it. Yes,
0: use it like as the I language of the it. fans yeah exactly on etsy there's all of these like uh drag race themed mm-hmm. giant fans and i was like should i have one that's like just a giant as wide as my out? torso yes
1: you should <laughs>
0: absolutely have it say sleigh or something on it. i know like, a lot of them yeah oh, they were like you better work and stuff yeah. like that <laughs> just like okay
1: <laughs> People are like, wow, Holly, okay.
0: Yeah, they're like, this is a little bit dramatic. Although I think in my family, enough people watch that Would show. to understand. Get it immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. then they'd expect me to know anything about it, and I don't, because I don't watch that show, even though everyone I love does.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so good.
0: All right, stop avoiding Deviant Moon. I know Holly. That's why I was like,
1: we're avoiding Deviant Moon by just talking about this, but that's okay. Transition.
0: Yes. So, Deviant Moon came out in 2007. Initially, it earned its spot in our book because it is among the first really major indie decks of sort of the contemporary area, and we are sort of defining contemporary as post 2005, so the last like 15 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't include this in our contemporary section. That's a much longer chapter. But the contem- the idea of the contemporary decks is that this is sort of when there was this renaissance of decks being created. Yeah. Um. And this deck was published in 2007, and it, that means that it was published before the Wild Unknown, which we've already reviewed, and is the last deck in our book that gets its own whole entire. Yeah. So Deviant Moon was created by Patrick Valenza. And he, so this is an interesting thing about this deck also. There are a lot of uh, terms that we don't use anymore used to describe this deck. Primarily in regards to mental health. Yeah. Um, and mental institutions like institutions yes. that like historical ones that were spooky, not well maintained, not well funded, not well run, etc. Mm-hmm. Um. So words like lunatic or demented are kind of like used a lot throughout. it. Insane. It, things like that. Like yeah, asylum, exactly.
1: Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So these aren't necessarily words that we would use to describe people or things now um, because we recognize that they have like problematic bases and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of trauma that's associated with them. But in 2007, people were less aware of using ableist terms and a lot of the documentation that we got about these decks are from that era. So when we say demented, we mean in the sort of like mid 2000s like spooky, scary kind of way, like Mm -hmm. Rob Zombie more than like actual people who were locked up against their will for things like hysteria. Right, right. Like we're not talking about hysteria. We're talking about stuff that is a little bit more um, fictional almost. Yes, yeah. Like actual people with mental health crises who were going to these institutions in the 20th century, the 19th century, et cetera. They were used as tropes a lot and those tropes are what is being referenced, not the people themselves. Yes. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Is that a good no, distinction? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So when we say, so just so that you know, we're aware that there's a lot of language that we use both in the book and probably when we're talking about the deck that we wouldn't necessarily use like naturally, but it's relevant in the case of this. Right. Mostly just because the whole idea is this kind of like spooky, scary asylum with all of these lunatics and you know, demented people who are sort of like grotesque in some ways.
1: Yeah. He created like a whole entire like universe, species universe of, of like, what does he call them? They're humanoids. Nope. He, he, they're citizens of citizens of something. I forget citizens. of what's the tech deviant citizens, deviant moon citizens or something like that is what he calls them.
0: Yeah. Citizens.
1: Yeah, was it just citizens or citizens of
0: something? You just said citizens in quotes of Deviant Moon Tarot. Okay. Or okay. maybe I just missed your first reference. No, no, no probably not. No,
1: I think that's probably the only one. Um. So, yeah, he calls them the citizens of his world. And right. And they um, kind of mimic... The clothing and the the posture of them mimic um this, like decks like Visconti or other things, but they are definitely have a bit more of a grotesque form to them. Some of them have multiple eyes or multiple limbs, and there is definitely a scary sort of um, spookiness. Tim Burton esque, but even yeah. Tim Burton is kind of more cartoony than his decks. Yeah, influences
0: Patrick's decks tend to be so. Um. It's very the, a ed- lot of the art is super angular, which I think is yes. part of my like revol not revulsion, that's too strong of a word, but part of my discomfort with it is how angular all the people are. And all of their joints are very like angular. Yes. Um But yeah, so it was uh inspired a lot by the Visconti deck. And there's actually some really interesting things about how there was sort of like the very, very original, which is impossible to find now, being kind of like way bigger than a standard card and gilded mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. Because when he started doing it, it was really like his own interest in the macabre, but also he, before this, had been a primarily a children's book illustrator. Yeah. Um, and so he, it was like, again, started as a passion project just because he was really interested in it. And he also grew up near a abandoned Asylum. Yeah. Yeah. And it was,
1: it, yeah, it was, uh, it's pictured in the book, but he was able, like he started this project, left it because of work. Um, his mother passed away and then he found all his like old drawings and sketches and things and came back to it, but was able to use a new passion of his in photography and integrate that into the tarot deck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's kind of how how the, the tarot deck sort of came to be. And how, like, there's this blending of art that is, like, drawn Mm -hmm. with, like, collage-style patterns from buildings and sculptures and things that he's taken pictures of
0: throughout his career. Yeah, so... I guess that's kind of the history. I mean, he's he now has this universe of Deviant Moon decks. Yeah. Um. So there's a ton, a ton, a ton that are available. Both like variations of the Deviant Moon, and then also, um, is it Mildred Pierce? The yeah Mildred oracle Pierce deck? is like a like a
1: small oracle deck. There's a Trifoni like an original like sort of tarot deck with that, but it's like a um horizontal deck. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, cool. Yeah. I feel I, I feel like that's accurate um there's also a different oracle deck um and stuff like that so he's created so many like offshoot decks from this original deck right
0: exactly so that's kind of like the legacy of it is that this whole genre of like spooky scary kind of unsettling stuff exists in part because of this sort of very very popular indie deck but then also he himself has created more thematically appropriate decks. Like the Mildred Pierce Oracle, the whole idea, the lore behind it, I guess, is that they were cards found in a crawl space in yeah. an abandoned mental institution. Yeah, Obviously yeah. that's like a fictional backstory, but it is very effective because the way that they look is spooky and like yeah. childlike and a little bit abandoned and terrifying and ephemeral and all of that stuff. So there's sort of this universe that we're sort of operating amongst for this deck.
1: Yeah, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he had created most of the cards and pitched the idea to U.S. Games, and Patrick Kaplan like jumped on it almost immediately. Stuart Kaplan, Stuart Kaplan, sorry, Patrick Kaplan. Patrick Edison. is, yeah. God. Oh God,
0: it's okay. I, I'm yeah. still thinking of Patrick Brown sauce. So yeah, my my saint name, or also Patrick, the creator of this deck. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. it. That's probably it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, I think the other thing that we wanted, that we emphasized in the chapter about this is that it was sort of this, like, no longer beautiful stylized images. Like, it's sort mm-hmm. of, like, funkified the beautiful, like, renaissance-looking people in flowy garb. Right. And that sort of also helped open up this genre of indie decks that have these sort of more dark motifs and themes and imagery. Right. Yeah. Uh so what is Oh, I don't own it at all because it scares oh, me. Okay. So I don't even have a version of this. That's the next prompt. <laughs> okay. The version we have. What version do you have? I have
1: the Borderless USA Games edition because the borders oh, sorry. Th- initially the borders are really ugly so I like the borderless editions typically. We tend
0: to always like borderless. Yeah
1: borderless to me is always ideal. Um, I also have I started out with this actually as a phone app because it is available as a phone app and so I was curious so I ended up getting on my phone I was like okay well I'll spend the bucks for a borderless edition
0: so. (laughs) I've been using it enough on my phone I might as well. It's
1: podcast related it's fine.
0: Exactly exactly the things that we bought While we were writing the book, just because we're like, well, we're writing this book, we should probably do this. I mean, I, I, I mean, an iPad. So, Uh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I forgot about that. That's hilarious. So, um, but yeah, so I don't own it. I probably won't. I mean, I, I appreciate the artwork a lot, and I think that Mm -hmm. Patrick is a really interesting artist. I love the world he's created, but I just don't think I'd ever use it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know there are cases where i may use it like for it like i could see it being good for shadow work and kind of like getting you to that stage of being uncomfortable and like addressing that uncomfortability but yeah i also have decks that are better for that that i would like more right. so yeah i'm not sure if it would ever come to pass or not but it's there available probably for something like
0: that for me <laughs> yeah exactly you can use it if you need to OK, so what is your favorite fact that you included? So okay. Esther also primarily wrote this chapter. So I know we've talked about this before, but if this is your first episode or you haven't heard us talk about the book before, we wrote a book about the art history of tarot. <laughs> our strategy for it was that each of us took chapters and wrote them initially. And then after our editor looked at them once, we edited each other's chapters. Right. So we did have our hands are all over each other's chapters. It's not like you can like see the distinct Esther versus Holly right. chapters. Right. But there are some chapters that we each feel a little bit more knowledgeable in because we yes. did the primary research for it. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the ones that Esther did.
1: Yes. Um. So what? I almost called him Stewart. Patrick.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Patrick Stewart. That's a person. Oh, my God. OK. I'm losing Men's it. names, man. It is. Oh, it's two a.m. No, is it two? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah! It's the middle of the <laughs> okay, night for okay, Esther. Okay. She has every excuse. We've been recording for, for five f- hours. <laughs> Esther has every excuse to be. I, I thought it was names. twelve
1: a.m. And I was like, "Oh, it's twelve a.m." Then I looked. I was like, "No, Esther. There's nope, no one there." No, that's two.
0: That's for sure two a.m.
1: <laughs> okay, um, so so what Patrick did with his photography hobby is that he, there's like cemeteries in the Northeast that are like pilgrim, essentially cemeteries or like very early, uh, colonizer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Colonial cemeteries. Gosh. Uh, so, um, but they would use, like, images like what the famous, like, death head is, which is, like, a skull yeah. with wings and stuff like that. Yeah. So he would take pictures and include them, like, in, like, collages of balloons and stuff like that. Well, there's one card that has, like, a couple death heads and that has, like, a broken heart. And I was like, oh, I wonder if there's, like, a like Story behind stories this. behind, like, yeah. a broken heart. Because I've never seen a broken heart, um, like, insignia a... on any sort of I gravestone. know, me neither. Yeah. And so um, what was interesting to me is that I found one that was, like, late 1800s, I think, 1870-something. No, 19—can you please check that date for me? Yeah,
0: hold on one second. Uh,
1: 1879. Oh, I was so close. Look at me. Okay. I know. 1879, where it was a— like and and I included the story because of Claire because she was at that point when we were doing this had started her podcast and yeah. I was like ooh this is the perfect like Claire There's a story. lot of
0: Memento Mori style like remembering death stuff that stuff. happens with this book bu- or with yeah, this, in this deck, chapter and also it's relevant to Claire Goodchild's podcast for Memento Mori.
1: Yeah. So I kind of included it as like a like a easter egg to her because that was like what she would do is take these stories of icons and stuff like that and chain and tell the story behind them. Mm-hmm. So the story is just a really precious story. And I think I've gone into it a little bit on our Patreon and it just talks about a girl dying of a broken heart and how sad and like pitiful it was, but, um, but just even the marker itself now is just a kind of testament to like her being redeemed from Something, so I don't want to give it all away.
0: Oh, really? I want you to give it all away. You want me to give it all away? Yeah, okay, 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 it's a really good story. It's kind of spooky and sad and sweet.
1: So, this girl, she was like 14.
0: Yeah, she
1: was, yeah, she's 14, and um, she was the like assistant dressed to the dressmaker
0: and what assistant to the regional manager.
1: You first said
0: assistant, assistant dress- dressmaker. dressmaker. <laughs> assistant to the dressmaker. I was
1: like, Do I, is it assistant dressmaker or assistant to the dressmaker? You
0: call her a dressmaker's apprentice.
1: Apprentice. OK, thank you. OK, so she was a dressmaker dressmaker's apprentice. And... The, there was suddenly, like, $10 missing from the Dressmaker's Apprentice. And yeah. she was accused for stealing it. She, like, said it was not me. Everyone believed it was her. And she, like, wrote this, like, really sad long letter that they have inscribed on her, like, a moniker that they raised to her. A memorium Something.
0: Basically about how nobody believed her and how yeah. she's like so heartbroken that people thought that of her yeah
1: and so, and so she was and just that's like how so she heart- died she yeah. died of a broken heart she did and that's what the doctor said like they did the autopsy because they were like how did she die and it was like literally like her heart froze and so uh, but and it came out later that it was a dressmaker's son that had stolen it. Of fucking course. Of fucking course. Instead of the apprentice, this poor girl. I know. And so anyway, she died of a broken heart, thinking that nobody
0: believed, believed her, her, and that she was going to be ruined like forever. Her,
1: and her even her own mom didn't believe her. And then after it, the the story on the thing that they what is it's not a moniker. I forget what I called it. Epitaph. Yeah, kind of. It was, like, basically, like, a big statue, kind of, like, with her whole story. Her, um. Like, her... Like, everyone was very apologetic, and they were so sad, and the dressmaker and her son ran away from town, like like, under the dead of night or something like that, and, like... And her mom like felt really bad, and they ended up like erecting this like broken heart sort of thing in memoriam for her. For it, and like told her story correctly and kind of redeemed her name essentially. But it's just for the
0: record, ten dollars in eighteen seventy nine is two hundred and seventy one dollars today. But still, like I'm just like relax, you guys. You're a whole ass dressmaker, like. Don't ruin her life. I mean, first look at your own fucking kid who. Yeah. Who's way more likely to have done that for fuck's sake. I know. (laughs) Jeez. So anyway. Also at the time, just FYI, there was a $10 gold coin. Oh, wow. So it would have been way easy to steal $10. It's just one single coin. Coin. Do you want to know how much a $10 gold coin. Is worth it. Goes for on eBay now. Ooh, yes. Tell us. $5,875. $5,875. 8, oh, wow. Or best offer. Or best offer. <laughs> it's pretty. It has like a Lady Liberty Ooh. surrounded by stars. Oh, my gosh. Let's pull that up for you.
1: Ooh. Isn't that cool? That
0: is cool. Do you, if you have five grand laying around, it's all yours, girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're rolling in the deep over here. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that that
1: was that was my kind of like favorite inclusion in the book because it was like an authentic story of like where this symbol comes from and how it's used to depict like certain types of death,
0: essentially. Yeah, I like it. I also think that my favorite facts about it are that he uses actual funerary stones. I didn't realize that it was collaged together until we wrote this. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just only his art. So I think that that's a really cool fact that he uses like stuff that was in the world to make it even more like dynamic and dimensional.
1: Yes, um, yes. So I think
0: that that's really neat.
1: Like the texture of using like brickwork and stuff is so – I think it's a cool integration into the artwork. Absolutely. Totally. What's your favorite card? Um, I talk about it in the book. I really like the meaning behind the Ten of Pentacles. And I think I may have mentioned it before, I feel like, maybe on the podcast or in the previous iteration of our podcast. Because, like, it's about it's depicting like a father and a son that's very wealthy and well off playing. Oh, this game. yeah. We
0: have talked about this on the podcast. Before, I think we I think. maybe, I
1: think maybe in our Ten of Pentacles episode, maybe.
0: Oh, so maybe just on Patreon, the minis, yeah, or yeah. the minis or something, yeah.
1: Um, because to me, that was like a really nice, um, anti capitalist view. Of yeah. So, finish card. describing
0: what it looked like. I interrupted
1: Sorry. you. <laughs> it's okay. So, father and son are playing chess. They have like long, beautiful robes that are very wealthy. Very wealthy. It's like presenting. rich purple. Yeah, yeah, rich purple. Yeah, and underneath their chessboard table, there is a individual that is naked and cold and shivering. That's holding one of like the king pieces or something on like that. their back on their yeah or no they're
0: holding the table on their back on the back yeah on their hand
1: right and so it's kind of like asking you what are you building your legacy on are you building your legacy on the backs of other people what does that mean like are you abusing other people but also that these other people are the ones that actually hold the king
0: card at the end of the day they're the ones that are gonna win power to people yeah it does feel very anti-capitalist
1: yeah so I really like because like there's definitely something to say about like the legacy portion being hopeful and you building something for your family, but there's also a toxicity of us recognizing our place in the world and what that has to do with others and our responsibility. So, right.
0: Yeah. I love that that card. That's a really good card. You're totally right. I like that special meaning. Yeah. I think that mine is probably the world just because since I do find so many of the actual figures, so upsetting having just like a kind of, scary badass mermaid is really appreciated and there's like the normal amounts of like griffins or whatever but nothing is kind of overtly terrifying in the same way that some other cards are and she's like a little bit scary and angular but also kind of a badass yeah yeah so I think and the colors are really good on that card too with the teal and stuff yes I think that that's probably my favorite card yeah I like that card too um. All right. So the cultural impact, I mean, we already kind of touched on this. It sort of led or it didn't lead, but it did open some doors for like new types of art styles rather yeah. than just sort of the more traditional art that we see in like Cosmic and Morgan mm-hmm. Greer and all of that sort of thing. There's like a little bit more room for uh, eccentricity. And it was sort of the start of this really big surge of independent decks sort of being or creepy decks or decks that may not have like huge mass market appeal being brought out onto the market. Yeah. Um, And I think that that really sort of points to a, pretty big turning point where suddenly it was like, Oh, the deck doesn't have to be for everybody. It just has to be beloved by those that it is for.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. that's, that's, that is the cool portion of this where it was kind of like the, f- one of the like early kind of niche decks, like we there've always been kind of like fairy decks or stuff like that, but this is like truly like a very small pocket of people. That right. This, like spoke to.
0: And fairies, like everybody kind of, I mean, whether it's wise or not, everybody loves fairies. <laughs> Especially when it's sort of like the more like lighthearted positivity. Yeah. Like yeah. little little fairy It's with more mains. endearing, yeah. But when exactly. you're talking about like a mermaid
1: on a on the world card and mermaids like the spooky kind of mermaid. Yeah. yeah. It's the, like the a, authentic a totally mermaid. different
0: level. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's really interesting because I do think that there is something to be said. Like somebody had to do this first and Patrick Valenza does a really, really good job of yeah, it. Yeah. Totally. Like it is perfectly executed spookiness. It just isn't for me, which is fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The decks that we compared it to, which we haven't talked about in all of the episodes, but there are a lot of other decks that feel similarly angular and stuff. And one of the ones that we reviewed on the podcast was the Wayward Dark Tarot. Yes. So if you kind of like that sort of spooky, a little bit upsetting, very angular look, Wayward Dark might be a good one to check out.
1: Yeah, and it is Toth-based, so it may be a a bit more intense than RWs,
0: but that's kind of the the gist of things right now. Exactly, exactly. The intensity is there, that is for sure. (laughs) Uh, And then also, we also didn't do this for other decks just because we would always forget to, but We did have another deck that we wanted to include in this chapter, but weren't able to because of rights reasons. And that deck was the Twin Peaks Tarot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the Twin Peaks Tarot is also kind of spooky. I've watched Twin Peaks, but only once. I don't remember a ton about it, Uh, but it has a very similar vibe to this. But we couldn't get the rights for the book. So Yeah. Did we write
1: about it at all? I did do a write up about it for the contemporary section. But um, that had to be removed because we didn't do the rights for it. But we'll post it on Patreon. So there you go. Great
0: idea. Exactly. And I think that's our show. It's kind of a short yeah. one, but hopefully the um, the Celtic cross spread was helpful for everyone to hear us walk through that. And if you're interested in the Deviant Moon Tarot, it is available basically where all your fine decks are sold. It is mass yes. market. If and you're interested Patrick's in the website world, has Patrick's yeah. website
1: has the extended decks. I don't believe exactly. all of his decks are
0: mass market. No, so. just this one. But the other decks that are his indie decks are all available on his website, which we'll link yeah. in the show notes. Yep. And if you want even more information about this deck and others, you can pre-order our book. You can go Woo! to wildlytarot.com to find our pre-order links and also to find our links to ask us questions. Or if you want to buy a Wildly Tarot or Wildly Lenormand deck, we've got so much stuff there.
1: Yeah, and you can write and review us and click the, all the links in our show notes for all your needs in buying, you know, our shit, everybody else's
0: shit. Exactly. We love supporting everybody. So. Yeah, exactly. And we love you, and go forth and tarot wildly. We love you so much. (laughs) Happy summer camp. Yay, summer camp.